as simple as it might sound, shareholders like it when you do the things that you say you will do. It should be unsurprising in a way, but from 2017 through to now, we came out with a plan. Uh, we talked about the plan, we told them what we would do and why we would do it, and we've been pretty committed to delivering that. We've had a couple of things that have taken a little bit longer than we would liked, but at the same time too, we've been focused on it. I think that's the key thing, is a lesson, albeit an unsurprising lesson when you, when you actually think about it. Kia ora koutou. I'm Sarah Minhinnick and we are keeping this podcast in-house today on the eve of our annual result and I'm here with the NZX CEO Mark Peterson uh, to discuss our upcoming results announcement. Welcome Mark. Thanks Sarah, nice to be here. Thank you. I mean, you're well known to everyone in the podcast room, but not necessarily to people that are listening to this podcast. Perhaps in the interests of providing an introduction, could you give a brief 101 on who NZX is as a company? Absolutely. We are the, the provider of the market in New Zealand, and that's the equity and fixed income markets, the infrastructure, the trading, the clearing, the data provision, all things that sort of wrap around that. Adjacent to that, we actually also, and this might be new news for some people, we do run the energy markets. We run the pricing for those, the settlement for those, the clearing of those, for electricity markets across New Zealand. And then outside markets, we have our smart shares business, which is a fund manager growing very nicely too. And then our third business really is our wealth technologies business, which is a technology platform and an administration platform for financial advisors across New Zealand. We've got those three businesses because we see interconnection between growth in funds management and growth in the markets or growth in the advisory industry and growth in the markets. So we see them as complementary and working together. Yes, NZX is an intricate business and it is quite unique in that it's both a market operator and a listed entity in its own right. So as CEO, how do you balance both of those functions? It's actually quite easy, really. We see ourselves as a listed entity first and foremost. We're regulated not by our own in-house regulatory team, but special division, which is an independent regulatory function. And from our point of view, we have the, the commercial sort of aspirations of growth. We have the policy function, if you like, for market settings, which I liken it to a sort of a product capability. And then the funds management and the wealth tech businesses are separate. So I think primarily of myself as a listed company CEO. Absolutely. And you've been in financial markets for many, many years. What got you interested in a career in capital markets in the first place? Oh, I don't know, actually. I was a fairly practical person. I was a sort of a maths and science person rather than an English and history person. I studied economics and finance at, at university. I was actually naturally sort of attracted to the National Bank. I thought the, the bank had a great brand and I had a really nice career in there. And it sort of Spawned from that, got to see a lot of different parts of banking and finance and markets, and then it sort of progressed into broking and, and now the exchange. Yes, the National Bank brand is still a legend in New Zealand. I'm pretty sure I've got one of those horse money boxes tucked away somewhere. Um, and there are certainly many people that worked at National Bank over the years that are making a significant contribution in financial markets to this day. So we're recording this podcast on the eve of our results release for the 2023 results and by the time that people are able to listen to this those will be out. What are some of the key highlights with these results? Uh, well first and foremost our financial performance we were pleased with. Solid result as you'll see in the announcement 40.1 million dollars worth of earnings that's up from 36.6 million last year um, excluding acquisition integration costs. So that's a, about a 10% lift in earnings so that in a sense is positive. Uh, when you look at the components of that, the revenue side was up you know, to $108 million or just over $108 million worth of revenue. That's a nice lift. Costs were up about $9 million. 
there's some subtle movements and, and sort of some complicated elements there because we're obviously integrating two businesses into our smart shares function and we paid for some of the client servicing aspects through netting off our, um, a component in our revenue line and we've obviously taken on the, the hiring of people to do that. So there's some movement between revenue and costs. You know, good result financially when you look into the different businesses and you think about the environment with, with which they're operating. That's been challenging, you know, especially for equities. So our markets business was operating in an environment which was obviously in higher inflation, higher interest rates, um, not necessarily you know, terribly friendly to equities. It was more sort of favouring a, a sort of a cash and fixed income type environment. So we've seen good activity in that area, but equities has been slower. Trading and clearing was off, which created a bit of a hole. But, you know, when you look across the other markets, revenues, functions, we've done well, actually, to try and fill that hole. So data has grown, indices has grown, our dairy business has gone really nicely. That's the, uh, the market that we're building in conjunction with SGX. You know, so that's, I think, lots traded last year was something like 580-odd thousand. That's up from 430,000 the year before, so really nice lift in that. And we've, we've got some big ambitions for that business, and, and we seem to be delivering against those. So we had some moving parts, you know, in markets. As I said, in smart shares, you know, nice highlights are completing the integration of ASB Master Trust. So that brings that client base, if you like, onto our platform and, and serviced by us. So pleased with that. The synergies that we thought we were going to get, we're getting. We're obviously continuing to integrate the Key Street business into our operation as well, and there'll be some further synergies there. So the Marches is going nicely, up over 11 billion now in funds under management. You know, that makes it a sizable operator in the New Zealand market. And we've got strong ambitions to be sort of closer to 15 to 20 in time with that business. So lots of work to do, lots of opportunity in front of Smarties, but a nice result at the same time. And they were quite a big contributor to the lift in earnings across the group. And then our wealth technologies business, I think the key highlight there is the fact that the team landed 12 new clients through the course of 2023, which will, I think we had three transitions in 23, and we've got a lot of transitions coming up in 2024. You know, a very full workload for, for the group, bringing these clients onto our platform. You know, clearly when we go out and pitch, we're, we're well received from the people that we put in front of the clients, the, the system and product that's there. Um, the reputation for our approach to transitions and, and the seamlessness with which we try and do it. And that seems to be cutting through, you know, in that part of the market. So really pleased about where Wealth Tech is getting to. Obviously, this year is a big year. Getting cash flow positive is, is a key milestone. That's firmly in, on our radar for the end of the year. And then I guess underneath all three businesses is our operating platform. So you think about our technology platforms, the operational teams, the way we manage risk you know, within the risk appetites. We've had a very positive year in that regard. We've been accurate. Our systems have been, you know, the uptime has been 100%. You know, it's the second year in a row. It's been up 100%. And our risk management functions have been maturing nicely. So, you know, across the board, very strong in some areas, few headwinds with respect to macroeconomic environment. But you know, as, as some of us have been around a while, you see cycles change. We'll come out of that at a point in time and we're actually well positioned to take advantage of it. And that's markets, isn't it? I mean, things do go through cycles and it's good to have diversified revenue streams so that you can position the business to pivot into different directions. Abs absolutely. And that's been a deliberate strategy since 2017. 
you know, we had a, a range of businesses prior to that which weren't necessarily obviously connected to markets. We've sold those, they've got more appropriate owners, we've kept the things that are relevant, we've got this interrelationship between the three businesses and it does give you some balance and some strength in difficult times. So you've called out strength in, in smart shares and wealth tech and certainly in the dairy business. As you look sort of further into 2024 and beyond, how is the exchange focused on positioning itself for future growth and are there strategic partnerships that you're targeting? Yeah, well, certainly when we look forward, and we, and we did this you know, a year or two ago, we looked at what are our gaps. And if you think about markets just for the moment, you know, there are other markets around the world which have a midpoint order book, which is another type of trading venue. We didn't have that. The reason why they have those is so that on-market activity is, is a higher percentage of all activity. So we're focused on pulling all of that together. That actually will go live in early in the second quarter this year. So that will hopefully help liquidity, and especially as markets turn around. The other gap that we had compared to other markets was a, was a futures market for equities. A lot of work from the team is going into relaunching the NZX20 futures. Uh, we're feeling more and more confident around the composition of the players that need to play there. You need clearers, you need market makers, you need uh, the technology providers. We needed to change some rules. Uh, we needed to make a few changes to our technology. You know, and that's been quite challenging, bringing all of those pieces together and keeping the, uh, the market enthused about relaunching that. But we're pleased with where that's getting to. We're hopeful of a back end of 2024 release. If we get too close to Christmas, it might roll into 25, but we're really pushing hard for the later later part of this year. And I guess the other thing that we look at at our business relative to other exchanges is the scale and clearing and settlement. And we see an opportunity there to actually increase that scale and make it, you know, optimally efficient for the market, you know, and to the extent our current model in New Zealand is a little inefficient. It's got movements between depositories. If we can actually streamline that, then that would be um, that would be fantastic. So our strategy at the moment is focused on sort of filling gaps that other mature markets have, and we continue to press on that. And I guess at the same time, when we look at those adjacent businesses, scale and efficiency are the two key themes that we're driving at there. As I said before, we want to be at that 15 to 20 for smart shares. Uh, we want to be at that 35 to $50 billion of fewer for wealth tech. Platforms you know, can handle it and you get real operating leverage when, you, when you're up at that level. So you know, all of a sudden you've got a completely different business when you have that scale and you've got a bit of resilience, as we said before, against market cycles. Absolutely. And certainly those of us working around the NZX group see how hard uh, our colleagues and peers are pushing on those opportunities. So it'll be good to see some of those get up in the future. Absolutely. As we sort of zoom out and think about things with a more macro lens, how would you sum up the year of markets in 2023 and how do you think about how our markets performed compared to markets globally? Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? You know, when you look at the world at the moment, um, you know, there's, there's some angst out there. Geopolitically, uh, there are some instability. Markets love stability. They price better in, in certain environments. It was a bit volatile and uncertainty. So there's a there's a macro picture, you know, which is a little bit uncertain. You've got pockets of you know very sort of positive growth, but it's not necessarily everywhere across the globe. People have been struggling with inflation and and interest rates, and it's that post COVID sort of era, and and we're no different here in New Zealand. And I guess at the same time, you know, you look more domestically. You know, inflation is clearly a challenge. Uh, we know the government now is very, very focused on it. We know Adrian and the Reserve Bank are very, very focused on it. You know, we need that environment to taper off and to, to get in that sort of 0 to 3% range because then you, you start to build certainty, which is really, really good for businesses to then invest off 
uh, that pressure on earnings or the pressure on the cost side, which eats into earnings, you know, starts to, um, you know, dissipate. And that type of environment we will really, really look forward to because all of a sudden then, you know, people will be interested in investing and hiring and growing and looking out to the world for export growth and all the rest of it. That's the environment we need. And, you know, you, you hear very frequently from the government that that's the environment that they're going to try and drive at, you know, which is actually very good for all of New Zealand and particularly good for the role that public markets can play. Mm, it's certainly been a very complex and, and nuanced environment and perhaps more so than people are typically used to dealing with. Often it's certain factors at a time, one or two, but not five different factors in terms of geopolitics, rates, you know, huge election pressure, pandemic, health crisis, all of these things. It just it just goes on and on, doesn't it? I mean, do you think that 2024 will be similar to to 23? I mean, I'm asking you to haul your crystal ball on the table here, but what's your outlook? I'd like to think that, you know, inflation is starting to come off a peak. I mean, when you look at the numbers that uh, the Reserve Bank released, I mean, domestic prices are, are sort of sticky, so that I think there's still some work to do there. But you'd like to think we're sort of through it. When is a very, very hard question to answer? You know, maybe towards the back end of this year, if we're lucky. Mm. We'll see. Mm. And you, I mean, you've called out inflation specifically. Are there any global or economic trends that you're particularly keeping an eye on this year in terms of influencing market performance? Oh, you know, you just, again, it's this sort of aspect of certainty, isn't it? It's the ability to reach into sort of export markets, have those opened up and create the earnings, if you like, the offshore earnings, the foreign earnings back into New Zealand. Well, our businesses in New Zealand desperately need as much of that as possible. There's been a theme of, of making sure you're well diversified into different geographies there mm-hmm. just to mitigate some some risk. Those things, I think, will help. And then, you know, really, it's that operating environment. It's the it's it's that cost sort of aspect, the inflationary aspect. And I guess the other thing too, and this is probably something that's both felt locally and globally, is the ability to get skilled labour and, you know, hire those people that you need to actually execute the strategies. You know, it's it's hard. Yeah, we're still structurally short a lot of people, and that is for sure. And I, I mean, I think whether you're in a, in a bull market or a bear market or experiencing a lot of volatility there's there's always opportunities aren't there in markets because markets tend to sort of pivot around those highs and lows what do you think are some key challenges and opportunities for the market this year in terms of product well markets are all about well certainly um, public markets are all about raising capital and and ideally growth capital you know a company has an ambition i mean this is the perfect scenario has an ambition has, has got to a point uh, where it needs further capital, has got a great story, great track record, good people, and can and can sell that story to investors, which means then that you know the money will be attracted and and they can go about their business of growing. That's what you need at the moment. I guess we also provide the access to debt capital as well, so not just equity but debt capital. And from a financing point of view, for companies to have that ability to diversify away from just banks being the single source of capital could come to the local debt market here, or I guess they can you know, could go to other debt markets offshore as well. But having that diversification is really key, and we've got a really, really good market there for that. So those aspects, I think, are, are really important for businesses. What we're looking for here is, I guess, that environment that's conducive for you know, raising that capital, you know, that equity capital, all that debt capital. Businesses should make the most of that. And I think the other aspect, too, is when you think about New Zealand, New Zealand is well short on infrastructure that's well known, under investment for a long, long time. And whether that's health and education or, or other social aspects, housing, water or, or roads, you know, there is probably product opportunity there by utilising, you know, KiwiSaver money and the market structures 
and corporate structures to you know take a revenue source from those assets either raise capital against that revenue source or or lend against that revenue source to actually help the government uh, get out of the, the the challenge that they've got at the moment with finding infrastructure funding. So markets could play a really important role there. And and when you think about you know all of those asset classes, they all come with a revenue stream. Mm. You know, so there's no reason why KiwiSaver money, mums and dads in New Zealand, uh, couldn't have their KiwiSaver providers invest into those and actually have the return flow back to them. It makes so much sense in that mm, regard. Mm, that's right. And we've seen that a lot in offshore countries when you think about, you know, roading bonds in Germany or the way that the Germans use public markets and public money to harness infrastructure funding, for example. Yeah. So we spend quite a lot of time internally discussing what, what product opportunities we could put together to, to really solve some of those big and chunky problems in sectors that really affect New Zealanders' day-to-day lives. On that point, what do you think is needed from the capital markets ecosystem? And by that I mean the retail investors, institutional investors, brokers, the NZX Group as a market operator and the government to ensure the ongoing strength and vitality of the New Zealand capital market. We're actually quite encouraged uh, at the moment. You know, we've been for many months now, probably since the back end of 22, thinking about how markets can help New Zealand. And you know, there's a couple of different aspects to that. There's there's the product that can actually help the infrastructure deficit that we that we talked about. There's the ability for balance sheets, if you like, to be restructured to you know release some capital from one area and redeploy it into a, an area that's more needed. There are also you know, and those are, are are obvious. And I think to make all of that work, it needs the the broader community to come together to solve those problems. And I'm sure government will be really keen to to hear that. And I and I think there is a bit of that going on at the moment. Separately to that, you know, we've probably got some market settings, you know, that really need adjusting because we, you know, the capital markets are, are very, very competitive and capital is very fluid. And if you are uncompetitive in your settings, then capital will, will flow to the areas that are most competitive. And if we think about global markets and Australia in particular, you know, we do need to be you know, very competitive against those in our settings. And similarly, you know, when you think about public companies and private companies, we need to be similarly competitive across those. And I think at the moment, the compliance burden's got a little bit uneven uh, in that regard. We've got a list of, of ideas that we've been talking to government about. We're really encouraged that the Minister of Commerce has made a public comment about the fact that whilst he's got Kofi and Triple CFA at the moment as his high priorities, he is keen to look at capital market settings in the second half of the year, which is fantastic. And we'll keep working with government to put those ideas forward and, and I guess they'll work out how they can actually implement them under the, under the change regime that they've, that they've got to work with. But so far, you know, really encouraged by the reaction that we've received. Mm, that's good. And it's good that conversations are in motion about really having a hard look at those settings and things that we can do to, to improve the markets to benefit everyone. Absolutely. So looking to the future, what makes you excited for the NZX Group in the next five to ten years? I think the, the business is on really solid footing. I think we've got a diversified set of revenue streams. Whilst we might be at a sort of a in, a in a bit of a down cycle at the moment, that will change. And I think as that changes, you know, we will see the benefits that market can markets can bring to an economy. Uh, we've got some challenges at the national level, which are ripe for using markets. So I think that's you know, if we can get that right and get some movement and some action in that area, I think that's going to be positive for everybody. And it's it's not just a selfish sort of perspective. It's actually all about you know, the KiwiSaver investors having an opportunity to build some infrastructure for New Zealand, which improves productivity, which actually grows wealth. Mm.
And as soon as you grow wealth, then companies in the country can actually employ more and you just get this positive spiral effect. So I see that as a bit of a tailwind. And actually, when you look at the three businesses individually, you know, we know that we've got, you know, tailwind from a savings perspective and behind our funds management business. And we know the advisors are also very, very important to assisting investors into where to deploy their capital. And they need an efficient platform, which is what Wealth Tech does. So when you think about all three areas, we think we've got some tailwind behind us. Bit of a challenge at the moment with the cycles. But I think, um, you know, it, it, it provides a lot of optimism about what's in front of this business. Mm, good to be optimistic and cycles eventually do turn and, and hopefully those tailwinds that we do have in the in the meantime will continue. Uh, we're going to put you through the quickfire round. Oh, we, no. We okay. let you off the hook, so let's get into it. What's your favourite book or podcast? Uh, I, I don't necessarily have a favourite book. I do. I like reading more non-fiction than fiction. I like reading stories about challenges and adventures and leadership. So when you think about Shackleton and Hillary and... Sir Peter Blake and you know I, I enjoy reading those stories and it's not just the story itself the, it's the message and the learnings that come with that but I, I like that sort of stuff and in the same vein although not necessarily from an adventure point of view the story around Phil Knight and Nike when you think about what that was when he got going and what it is now and the story that goes with that you know that's the sort of stuff I like to read so that's a, a long way of answering a very simple question but I don't really have a favourite book. I have a book for you then. I'm reading this book about a woman who kayaks around Australia. Okay. Um, It's called The Girl That Touched the Stars, so I think that would be up your alley. What's your favourite quote? I enjoy some of the language that a guy, This he might not be terribly well known to people, but his name's William McRaven, and he's he's a US Navy admiral. And he, he's probably quite well known for that quote about making your bed in the morning. But he, he basically said something else. He said, um, if you can't do the little things right, you'll never do the big things right. And I think that's very true, mm-hmm. actually. So it is about doing the simple things, doing the small things. That will lead to good decisions around the big things. And we try and bring that type of thinking to this business, I think. What's the biggest lesson you've learned as CEO of a publicly listed company? Well, as simple as it might sound, shareholders... Like it when you do the things that you say you will do. You know, it should be unsurprising in a way, but from 2017 through to now, we came out with a plan. Uh, we talked about the plan. We told them what we would do and why we would do it, and we've been pretty committed to delivering that. We've had a couple of things that have taken a little bit longer than we would have liked, but at the same time, too, we've been focused on it. I think that's the key thing, is a lesson, albeit an unsurprising lesson when you, when you actually think about it. I think that applies in a bunch of areas of life, not just as a as publicly listed company dealing with shareholders. And last but not least, what advice do you give to companies that are looking to grow and meet strategic ambitions? Yeah, I think simply, you know, be be bold and and execute well. I think those are uh, those are the sort of the two simple elements. But when you think about what, again, you know, think about it from a shareholder point of view, you know, they want to see businesses which have got a great story, a good track record, they've proven ex- you know proven to execute. Uh, they'll bring you know these new shareholders in. They'll keep them updated. They'll do what they say they'll do, and you know that all comes together really. So the advice would be. If you do that, then, you know, it is actually a very powerful recipe for success in a way. I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Sarah. The information provided in this podcast is a guide and is intended for general information purposes only. 
The information is not investment advice. The information should not be relied upon as a substitute for detailed advice from a professional advisor. The podcast may contain opinions or forward-looking statements and actual results may vary from what is expressed in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the presenter or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of NZX. NZX Limited is not liable for any loss suffered through relying on the information in this podcast. NZX makes no warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information in this podcast. All intellectual property rights in the content of this podcast are owned or used under license by NZX, and NZX's written consent is required to use, redistribute, or reproduce the content, or use it to create other works.